But we're going to start with um, a CD, a worship video, like we always do. And just really prepare your hearts. We're going to take up another offering for them, too. So as soon as we're done with that, um, we're going to take up an offering for them as well. But let's listen to this and just re-shift yourself. And let's just worship together for a moment. That's not the one? Trust in God? Do I... That was the last one that you sent me. No. What, what's the other one? Oh, can you go back there? Yep. We're going to switch. We're, we're going to switch it. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to switch it. Yeah. <laughs> we're prophetic in here, are we? Yeah. We're in season and out of season. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, if you're normally in the class, we're going to go back to Dr. Bill Hammond's uh, teaching next month, and we'll finish up that teaching in December. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. This class usually goes about an hour and a half. Did you get it? Wonderful. I'm 
We trust in God. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. We're going to uh, take up an offering for them. Um, Brenda, can you grab that for me? Yep. Yep. This is just an extra, uh, an extra love gift. She's coming and pouring herself out, and we just want to bless them. So, Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, for what you're going to do in this prophetic class today, Lord. Father, I just ask you to bless this offering today. And, Father, just multiply it for them, Lord. Bless them with it, Father. And we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can bring your offering up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to... Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm excited. We've had wonderful meetings. I'm excited to have Isabel. Yes. And I, we actually prayed last month. <laughs> we prayed before we asked you. <laughs> so the class, I said, there could be a chance. <laughs> and so we prayed. And so we're so honored to have you. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I will pray for you. Yep. Here's, here's the key for this. You stretch your hands toward Isabel. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for this vessel, God. We thank you for your strength. Father, we thank you, Lord, for a greater impartation of heaven. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Supernatural strength and fusion of the Holy Spirit right now. And we bless her and we honor her today. In Jesus' name. Well, it's so great to be with you. So, so great. And um, I like this kind of meetings very much. And, oh, come on. There. And because the prophetic is an amazing gift, and it is so needed in the kingdom of God. And... uh, even though there is a lot of it, not all of it is good. And one of the things I keep hearing from the Father is he's purifying it. He's bringing it back to what he intended it to be, based on what Jesus modeled for us, based on what Scripture means once. <clears throat> because people have alt- altered it a lot. And... Um, so we need to go back to basics and to the purity of what it is. And the prophetic is not, like Throwing keeps saying, it's not about the gift, it's about the prophet. And uh, <clears throat> he is the one that we need to seek, want, and be with. Because prophetic prophecy is about revealing heaven. It's about revealing the Father's heart. It is not about knowing things about people. And that's what many people think. Prophecy, being prophetic, and the prophetic is 
knowing things about people, knowing things about things, and uh, walking in that place and knowing things. That's, if you want to do that, you can be a psychic. You see, that's not what prophetic is. You do not need to know anything about people or about anything to prophesy at all. That is not relevant. If you focus on that, you will miss the point about it because prophecy is not about that. Prophecy, you don't need to know anything to prophesy about people, to prophesy over them. You need to be in close intimacy and relationship with the one who knows them. That's what you need. You need to be so close with the ear to his heart and to his mouth and to, to him that you hear, that you are ready, that he knows them. He is the source of prophecy, not your gift. He is the source of prophecy. So our focus is on the Father. He knows. Therefore, he releases, he gives. And because prophecy is about that, prophecy is not about as um, making a ministry known, making the prophetic known. I don't travel the world. For 30 years, I've been traveling the world not to make the prophetic known. That's not what it's about. It's about making the prophet known. On earth, I get to do the work of a prophet, but that is my function. My identity is to be a daughter of God. I am a daughter of God. I'm a friend of God, too. I'm a servant of God. That's my identity. My function is to do the work of a prophet. By function, not by identity. He is the prophet by identity. And then when we understand this, we're here to make him known. So, you see, a while ago, somebody came into a co contacted me <clears throat> a few months ago, and they were looking for the prophet. I need to talk to the prophet. Is she there? I need to talk to the prophet. I need to talk to the prophet. And I said, well, this is the prophet there. And I said, well, actually, yes. But I don't think he comes on the phone. He comes to my phone. And they said, what do you mean? No, aren't you? You sound like her. And I said, no, you, ask, you want the prophet. You want to talk to the prophet. I'm not him. I work for him and with him. That's why you confuse me sometimes with him, but I'm not him. I'm the assistant, and get to share. I'm the prophet's assistant, and I get to share in his mantle, his ministry, and <clears throat> who is he, what he, what he does. You see, and there's that part of, he's the one. So it relieves us of a lot of responsibility. I, I was on the other side for a long time of the mistakes of wanting to be the prophet, of wanting him to assist me, not me assisting him. Been there, done that. So I know what it is like to do it the wrong way, and I, by the grace of God, have learned a few good things, and I'm still learning more. But one of the things I have learned about this is, you know, what the heart of God is for this amazing gift, this amazing thing, what we are here to do, and it is to reveal the heart of the Father to men, to make his thoughts known. You see, prophecy 
is about knowing God so well as we go on and so deeply that, you know, there is an epidemic in the kingdom of God called spiritual loneliness. And there is so much spiritual loneliness happening. There are so many people just, you know, believing the lies of the enemy. God doesn't care. He's not with you. He's not listening. When you're going through hard times and you feel stressed, you feel isolated and you're struggling, that's the, one of the main areas of attack. God doesn't care and you feel spiritually alone. Where is he? He's not talking. I can hear him. I can't experience him and so on. And it's very easy because of our emotions to agree with that. But Psalm 139 tells us that it is impossible to get rid of God. Really, that's, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it means. It's impossible to get rid of God. Where can I go to hide from your presence? If I go into the depth of the sea, you are there waiting for me. If I go to hide in a cave, you are there before me. And so on and so on. It keeps describing it, the, the psalmist. And it is telling us that, you know, it is utterly impossible to get rid of God. But the devil is constantly telling us that he doesn't care. He's not with us. He's not listening. He left us alone. And uh, it says in there, I want to say verses 18 and 19, but I'm not quite sure, but it's there. It says in there how, it says how numerous are your thoughts over me of God. They are so great, they are so, that they are so vast that they are more than the grains of sand on the beach. If I were to count them, it would be impossible to number them. Now, that alone fixes everything. You see, because spiritual loneliness tells us God doesn't care, he's not listening. But then the psalmist is telling us the heart of God that says he can't stop thinking about us. That's what that means. He can't stop. He says the amount of thoughts that God has for each of us a day, per hour, all the time is not the general for a lifetime that is talking like now. The number of thoughts are impossible to, to count. More than the grains of the sand on the beach. And that's what is happening now. Prophecy, I mean those thoughts are in the mind of God and in the heart of God. Prophecy simply is reaching for one, two, or three, a few of those thoughts and make them audible. That's all it is. And make them known. One thought from the heart of God or the, or the mind of God that's made known to someone is enough to change their lives forever. That's all it takes. That's what we're here to do. You see, to let somebody know this is what he thinks about you. This is what he feels about you. And you see, that is what we do. That's what we are prophetic for. To make that known and make them audible what God is thinking or feeling about someone. And so... Not about us, we don't need to be very anointed for that. We need to have great intimacy with him, to perceive his thoughts, to capture them, 
to hear them and release them. That is our investment is in that area. <clears throat> and, but I want to talk today about one of the things that takes so long to learn that hopefully, you know, impartation is a wonderful thing. Things that take 40 years to learn can be imparted easily. I didn't have that when I was growing up in this. There was no one at the time. We didn't have, you know, fathers and mothers in the kingdom coming to release in part and give us what they had. So we were going the long way. But understanding, I want to talk about the difference between the gift of prophecy and the spirit of prophecy. Because <clears throat> these are two very different things. And... Um, <clears throat> The gift of prophecy is in Corinthians. God gives us the gift of prophecy through the Holy Spirit. He chooses who gives it to and all of that. So we know about the gift of prophecy, great. But the gift of prophecy is simply a tool to do a function in the kingdom, to partner with the prophet and to function in that. That's all it is. It is a tool. Yes, we have to learn to use it properly, but it is a tool. The gift of prophecy, because it is a tool, gives us access to revelation. We get revelation, revelatory anointings, but we get revelation through the gift of prophecy. And so if we just have the gift of prophecy, then we are just simply speaking revelation to people, which is superficial and obvious things that people already know. And because many people see prophecy that way, you know, they think the prophetic is to, you know, is to be a laundry list of everything in their lives that's already known. And they want to know the same things, all these things, yes, and you didn't tell me this, and I want you to tell me this, this, and this thing. I know it is from God. Like, seriously, that's not what prophecy is about. Psychics give you that. That's where the credibility comes from. You see, because revelation is just about facts, about situations, about is <clears throat> is doesn't carry power, doesn't carry creativity, doesn't release kingdom. It's just knowing things. It's information. You know, it's just say uh, that's all there is to it. You like to bake cookies at three o'clock in the morning. That's re revelation. You know, you get up at you know five in the morning, drink a coke, and go back to bed. Revelation. Wow, isn't that something? Yeah, revelation. So what? But, so we have revelation, and that is, you know, that's that. But then in Revelation 19.10, we have the spirit of prophecy. And you see, the spirit of prophecy, that is completely different. And so it says in there, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That is the second part of, of the verse, when Paul fell down from the angel on his knees and worshipped him, and the angel said, no, arise, I am a collaborator with you. Worship God, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, what that means is the spirit of prophecy testifies about him brings evidence of Jesus. The purpose of the spirit of prophecy is to release evidence of Jesus, to reveal him. It gives evidence of him, not of a gift of a person, of the prophet. 
gives evidence of him is Jesus. That's why prophecy is the second greatest gift. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 verses 1 and 39. And it is because prophecy is only second to love. Love is the greatest gift of all. But prophecy is second. Prophecy and love are the only two that have a spirit and that is Jesus. Jesus is love. Jesus is the word of God. He is the word, John 1, 1. He is the word and he is love, 1 John 4, 16. He is love and he is prophecy. He is the word of God. That is why he inhabits those two gifts himself. Therefore, they reveal him and they give evidence of him. Not of the gift, not of a ministry of a person. Now we know Jesus said in John 14, if you see me, you see the Father. We are one. And that's the cool thing, prophecy, because the spirit of prophecy reveals Jesus. Jesus reveals the Father. We cannot reveal the Father directly because we are not one with the Father Jesus is. Jesus in us reveals the Father to the world. <clears throat> we are, Jesus is the earth, earthly, was the earthly representation of the Father, but we are the earthly representation of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, the spirit of prophecy is where the power of the prophetic comes from. That's what empowers, that's what releases. Is, when, is, the, is Jesus the prophet himself? flowing, ministering, it is where the depth of prophecy comes, the height of prophecy, the width, all those things that we see in the prophetic that make a difference, that shift an atmosphere, that change a life, that set a captive free, that release resurrection life right there in front of you. You see, when we are, and many times when I prophesy, people are standing in front of me and I can see, you know, dead and dry bones, and I can see there's, they're dead even though they're alive. You know, they actually have had people stand in front of me many times and they actually have, their skin looks ashy, like, you know, in color. Because they're alive, but they're physically alive, but spiritually and emotionally dead. Because they have eyes, but they can no longer see spiritually and they actually look dull and there's no life in them. Having ears cannot hear anymore. And many times as I'm prophesying, I just stand and the Father's love begins to flow and the spirit of prophecy begins to flow right there in front of me. Those dead and dry bones come to life and resurrection life goes into them. Resurrection life can, doesn't come from a gift, it comes from a person. And it comes from Jesus. And so resurrection life begins to flow and into their lives. And by the end of the prophecy, the ash is gone because death has gone. They come alive again. Their eyes, they, you know, get light again. The ears open up and there's creative power and resurrection life that happens in front of our eyes through prophecy. Because that's what Jesus does. You see, love and prophecy are the only two things that do that. All the other gifts, they don't have that effect, but these two do because of Jesus. 
you see, and I stand there and I see the same resurrection power that raises Rose Lazarus from the dead. I see it happening week after week in many places around the world, happening month after month. I see the dead coming back to life, same resurrection power. You see it through prophecy, through the prophetic, because the spirit of prophecy is what we want. The spirit of prophecy is where there are no secrets. It's a prophetic that goes any place and has no secrets. Whatever the Father says, the spirit of prophecy releases. Whatever the Father, Jesus sees, the Father do, the spirit of prophecy does it. And that's when we see all this, the power of heaven coming. That's when a word gets declared here and it goes and does it. Like with the man who said, you know, his son wanted Jesus to heal him. And uh, so just said the word. Jesus said, God for your son has been healed. And then they came and the servant came and met the father on the way and said, he has been, he has been healed. And he said, at what time was that? And he said, when? And it was at the same time that Jesus said the word. We have seen that happen. I've seen that happen. When a word is given here and then the report and the testimony comes later, the very same time across the ocean it came to pass because it goes like an arrow and makes it happen. You see, a gift can do that. The spirit of prophecy can do that. That's Jesus. It shifts atmospheres. Only he can do it. So, the spirit of prophecy is available to everyone. Of course, we all have Jesus. It's available, but it is not attainable to everyone because there are two very important things that have to happen, you know, for the spirit of prophecy to inhabit us. And it is character and price. You see, those are the things, the character is more important than the gift. And that's where we have to invest into that. Most people invest into the gift. We don't need to invest into the gift. We need to invest into a character. A character that is fitting to the prophet. So that the prophet can inhabit and flow through. And he said to me, I'm not going to do that through someone who's Life and character will ruin my reputation. That's very important that we have to partner with him, come into alignment with him for the spirit of prophecy to flow through, to inhabit us and flow through us. Otherwise, you remain in the gift and you don't go beyond the gift. You just learn to use the gift, the tool. And the price, there is a price to pay for the character to be refined, for you to be made fit for the prophet to use you, for the prophet to flow. So we'll talk about that in a bit. But you see, because those love is the greatest gift of all, and then the prophecy, those two flow together because the kingdom of God is based on the love of God. It's all about the Father's love. It's based on his love. This love is what does everything. And you see, you can have the gift and all these things, and we have the prophetic, but see, the character defines motivation. You see, the motivation 
flows from the character and from the gift. What is our motivation? It is what ignites the motivation. What what the motivation? The motivation that sorry ignites the gift, ignites you to do it. You see, what is the motivation? The motivation is incredibly important for the next steps, for what God will do. What is the motivation? And my point today is about the love that activates. The love that motivates is the love that activates. And we need to be motivated by the Father's love. You want a spirit of prophecy, you have to have a platform, a foundation. Everything has to be based on the Father's love. That is what makes it move because that is what Jesus did. For the spirit of prophecy, you have to make sure it's the Father's love that causes you. And even though I have been in public ministry for so long and I have made so many mistakes and all those things, I can boast about mistakes and the grace of God has, has carried me through them. But I still check my motivation constantly. Why am I going to do this? Why am I going to go to this meeting? Why am I going to minister? Why will I, you know, teach another session or go somewhere else? And because of the motivation, it has never become boring or old. It's still fresh every time because the motivation is the Father's love. See, when it is the Father's love, the love that activates, the love that motivates, this love that makes you do it, that is where the kingdom flows and that's where the spirit of prophecy moves because the kingdom of God, this is the love of John 3.16. That's the love that we are looking for. That's the love that God is looking for in us. The love of John 3.16 that <clears throat> says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so if, that's the thing. There are many things, you know, love. We talk about love and love. Yes, and love is a wonderful thing. And the Father's love is a wonderful thing. But most of the time we focus in the Father's love to receive. Father's love and he gives and he blesses and he loves me and he loves me and he gives me. And if we don't, are not careful, it actually releases a consumer's mentality. And turns Christianity into a consumer's Christianity. The Father's love is me, 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 give me, give me, give me, bless me, and use me and give me as about me. And it can be used that way, twisted into that, which we have to be very careful we don't do that. Because the Father's love is the love that gives. And that's the purpose of the Father's love is the love that gives. For God so loved the world that he gave. If God had just so loved us, we would still be very loved and going to hell. You see, what made all the differences that he gave. It wasn't that just he loved, because he loved that way he gave to change us, to transform us, to save us, to release us. That is the motivation that is the, the love that activates is the love that gives when we are willing to love to give. You see, so the motivation is 
Why do we want to be prophetic? Why do we want to prophesy? To grow the gift, that's self-serving. To have a ministry, that's not the love that gives. You see, we need, we need to align this. Is, you know, why do we want more? To be more anointed? To have more words? To be more prophetic? Not to give. It's the love that gives. To give, to give, to give, to give. I had a visitation once when the Lord said to me, it was a Solomon visitation, and he said to me, what would you like? He offered me two things. I said, would you like wealth, financial wealth, or more prophetic to give to people, more words for the people, more, more impartation for the people? Which one would you like? I didn't have to think because I had been through fires already that worked in the character and the motivation. And I just said, more prophetic to give, not to be anointed, not to be prophetic or have a great ministry to give to more. I want that over the wealth, financial wealth, give me that. You see, and because that is, the motivation is to give. So we need to align always these things and keep them very, very upfront. And one time, um, I was ministering in uh, the south of England, and I was standing, and uh, it was revival. It broke out, a revival. A revival broke out. A great revival actually broke out as we were ministering there, and um, the people were so hungry. They had not seen that in so long, in years and years. Crowds and crowds and crowds and crowds coming to the meetings and staying for hours and hours still, three, four, five in the morning. And my late husband and I were there, you know, this was close to 30 years ago, ministering away and serving and giving and ministering. And people kept on coming. And I may have told you this before, when people would just actually, the hunger was so great that people would uh, wake up in the night and the Holy Spirit would tell them, go to that church. And they would come in the middle of the night in their pajamas because the Holy Spirit was bringing them and the hunger and people were calling their friends, you know, and saying, you have to come, you have to come, believers and unbelievers. And people kept walking in at three to midnight. People were coming to meetings. Nobody does that. You know, but they were coming to meetings, to the meetings, joined the meeting at midnight. I had to start it at 7 p.m., you know, and coming at 2 in the morning, at 3 in the morning, and so on. And anyway, it was like that. But one day in one of those meetings, I was standing there, and um, the crowd was so much. Like, there were so many people in the building, just crowded, that, um, you know, you cannot just keep that kind of numbers of people quiet. So um, they took us to ministering at Loft upstairs. And so we have been ministering now for hours and hours and hours. And I thought to myself, surely um, it's probably almost empty downstairs. I was getting tired. And so it's almost empty downstairs, I'm sure. And I looked over the window, and there were more people than when we started. They had been coming and joining the meeting through the night. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, no. Oh. And, and, and it almost, it, it was 
at the edge of bothering me. I was starting to get edgy. I was starting to get a, because I was tired, feeling tired. Because up until then, I was still thinking about me and my gift, my ministry. You see, it was about me and me being anointed and ministering out of that. And so the Holy Spirit met me as I was having this wrong attitude of selfishness. And um, he said to me, Isabel, would you like to learn to love with the love that moves you to compassion so I can feed them all? And you see, that is the thing, is the love, because of, that is the love of Jesus, he being moved to compassion, healed them all. Scripture says, he being moved to compassion, fed them all. You see, is learning to join, to partner with him, to be yoked to him, so that he can do it, for him to do it. So, I heard that and I counted the cost. And the cost was the rest of the night. Are you willing for the cost? Are you willing for the cost of serving? Are you willing for the cost of preparation? People love to see the prophetic in action. And it is an amazing gift to see in action. And it is a wow. Can we move this over? There is somehow a draft here that it's cold, but it is warmer here. <laughs> Even here is fine, but it's warmer than what blows there. Thank you. And so, <clears throat> I, I'm okay so far, but I will. Thank you. I will if I need to. And so, anyway, I, and many times, you see, we see the prophetic in display, and we love it. It's amazing. Wow. And that's what causes a lot of people to want the prophetic. Because it is nice to see it in action flowing. What people don't realize is the price that we have to pay for one person's heart to be touched. The personal price, the price of character, the fires, the purification that happens in our lives for one person to to have an encounter with God to be part of it, to be a channel for something like that. You see, it's it's not a light thing. Prophecy is holy. It's divine. It's a heavenly transaction when Jesus himself comes to meet with the people through you. It is the level of reverence in it is very high. The heart of people are divine, are eternal. Prophecy reaches the heart of man, and there's eternity, the heart of God, a man. If you touch the heart of a person with the love of the Father, you are actually touching eternity. And that heart is going to eternity. You see, it's different than a preaching that puts knowledge in somebody's mind. That's not eternal. Knowledge will pass. Love is eternal. And the heart of man, there's eternity in the heart. So there is that price. For the spirit of prophecy, there's a high price. Like I say, and I will keep saying, of character, of motivation, of attitude. 
And so, you know, I was ministering in Norway a few years ago. And the pastor wanted to go on the street, and I had no idea why. We had to go to the park, and so we went, and some other people from the church. And then when we got there, he started gathering people, and this person, and I said, okay, give them a word, and come, give them a word, and give this one a word. And I said to him, no. He said, why not? They, they were like words. And, and I said, well, I said, they don't want it. You want it for them, which is nice. But they are not wanting it. And I said, you have no idea what, what you're asking me to do, to do. It's incredibly expensive. The price that I have to pay for each word that comes out. You, the cost that is behind it. I say, it's not... You know, like giving candy. I'm not giving candy to people. You have no idea the price for one word. I said, this will just be fun, entertainment ex experience. I said, I can't do that. I won't do that. And that's why. You know, I follow. I, I listen. I follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in the prophetic. It is not okay. I want to do it. I have the gift. If you want to use the gift for that, give revelation. But if you want to flow with the spirit of prophecy, you don't play with it. You see, you activate the gift, but the spirit of prophecy activates you. It's very different. The spirit of prophecy activates you. You don't, you never, you don't activate the spirit of prophecy. It activates you. It uses you. It flows through you. You see, and he says when, and he says how many, and he says how long, and he, because he, it's the spirit of Jesus flowing through you. It is very different. So, that night, I sent, when I received that invitation from the Holy Spirit, I knew. And I said to him, yes, I'm willing. That's fine, I'm willing. To learn to love with the love that moves you to compassion. And at that moment, this amazing, I mean, the, it's, uh, the Holy Spirit, he was standing next to me. At that moment, it just came in to me. And this is a different manifestation of the Holy Spirit that we all carry to take us to eternity when we receive the Holy but the full feeling of the Holy Spirit. is another portion, a different manifestation. It just came into me, and I felt the shift inside of me. And at that moment, I looked at the people, and there was this love arose within me as if they were my own children. And this passion for every one of them that changed everything. And I think it was about one thirty-two in the morning by then. And I was completely refreshed and continued ministering, completely refreshed till 5.30 in the morning until the last person was done. The, 
You see, he wanted to feed them all. As a gift cannot do that, it's a spirit of prophecy that does that. It takes us to those lengths and to those high places. So are we willing to love with the love that moves to compassion? So that the spirit of prophecy can flow through you and go beyond the gift, you know, in that place. And so, you see, in uh, First Colossians 3.14, it's in Colossians, not First Colossians, Colossians. Colossians 3.13, Paul said, Above all things, above, let the love of God be the most important piece of clothing that you wear. That's actually, I think the New Living Translation says that. Another one says, above all things, wear the love of God. You see, wear the love of God. Wear it like a piece of clothing. The most important piece of clothing that you wear must be the love of the Father, the love of God. And this is that love that gives. It's the love of John 3.16. It's not the love of give me and bless me. It's the love of giving. There is no greater love than laying down your life for your brother. Jesus said. That is the love. So that love, and I love that he uses that language because the love of God is wearable. It's not, see, the love of John 3.16 is wearable. The, other, the love that to receive, he loves me so much, that is inside me. That's me between God and me. But the love of John 3.16 is wearable. People see it in you. People notice that love. You wear it, and this is the thing. You want the spirit of prophecy flowing through you. You need to wear the love of the Father. You just have to wear it. Be filled with it first. Know that. He'll receive it for yourself and then have the increase of the love of John 3.16. The love that gives, that be the motivation for every blessing, everything you want, everything that gives you. Why do you want finances? To be rich or to give? To bless others, to build a kingdom. Why do you want, you know, for me, you know, I... Since I have been, you know, for 36 years since I got married the first time and till now for me it is, I'm always, it's always, you know, give. We wanted a bigger house back years ago to house more people. Not to have a bigger house. They have to house more people. A bigger table to feed more people. You see, that's the motivation, the love that gives. When you function out of it, the kingdom moves, release comes, provision comes, miracles happen, food multiplied on the table. You see, because it's the love that gives that activates all of that. So the same thing is with prophecy. The love that gives is what releases the multiplication and abundance. So the love that gives is the love that is visible. You wear it. And people notice it. And that is what causes the transformation. Because if it is just the words you give, it's information, people get it, it's and nice. But when it is spirit of prophecy, and that, you know, you are wearing the Father's love, people encounter Him before they even 
hear the words. People encounter him. And it's that encounter because the love of God, the love of the Father is experiential. People actually experience it in you and experience it through you. And that is what causes the impact that it, you are wearing the Father's love. That is the same thing that causes the impact with evangelism. You have to wear the Father's love if you are going to evangelize. You go on the streets, you have to wear the Father's love. People need to see it. This is with the woman in the well. I can assure you what disarmed her was that he knew her deepest secret, darkest secret, but she encountered pure love. She encountered the love in him as he was talking to her. The love flowing through him. You see, that is what drew her to him. That is what draws people to the Father through the prophetic. And because it's facilitating that encounter with the Father. So, the, the transformation. People can have an experience with you and your gift. Or they can have an experience with Jesus and the Father's heart through you and in you and through you. And that's what spirit of prophecy. You see, a long time ago I was ministering in a church somewhere. I have many stories like this, but this one is one of my favorites. It was so impacting. When everything came together for me and changed my view of all things. Because sometimes I used to complain about you know, the intensity of the fires, the furnace. The, uh, I felt like there was no break. And the character, the character, the character, the character hasn't ended. But I mean, it's, it's here now. But it was so intense and paying that price and dealing with this and dealing with that character part. It was, seemed to be the most important thing. And so I used to complain about that until one day I was ministering in the church somewhere. And um, uh, it was Sunday morning service and then prophecy of the words. And it was about um, 3 in the afternoon now, 3.30 or so. And uh, I knew it was finishing. I could feel the shift. But then um, suddenly I looked over and there was this woman sitting on the right side, on my right side, there she was blonde and was wearing a pink suit that stood out and um, for me because I didn't like it. <laughs> the, the shade was weird. But anyway, and so but she was there and I saw her and I felt immediately the Father's love for her. It just arose. I felt this intensity of the Father's love, so I called her out. And she came to the front and stood in front of me and as she, as she stood in front of me, I could feel the intensity of the Father's love arising within me. And the prophetic began to flow, but I could feel the waves of the Father's love physically coming out of me and going into her. Only the spirit of prophecy can do that because now is Jesus arising and encountering her. You see, and now it's the two of them are having an encounter. And so I could feel this wave, so the Father's love going. And I, the prophetic, as I was flowing, I began to prophesy, and it went all the way from the womb to the tomb. 
of her whole life. I mean, it was past, present, and her future flowing. And I began to speak about her past, as if I had, was reading her book. And all kinds of things about her past, and just words of knowledge and revelation flowing, and all of that, you know, about her past just coming through as the waves of love were, fro were just flowing out of me and going into her. And I could feel the intensity, like it wasn't just, it was, it was like it's my long lost child just standing in front of me. And so then we went into the present and I began to speak about the present and whatever was happening. And she started weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And suddenly I started weeping and weeping. Tears were rolling down my face and I could feel this compassion and this intensity within me that was overwhelming. And I had never met this woman in my life. And I was weeping as if she was my own child. That's when you know you are not functioning out of a gift. And so the Father himself is being revealed to her in all those levels. And Scripture says he weeps with those who weeps. He rejoices with those who rejoice. <clears throat> and so as I was you know, going through that, tears were rolling down my face. And I was speaking about her present condition, and then we went into her future. And all the plans that Gan had and what was going to happen in the future, and all of that till the end of her life. It was a, a lifelong journey. And so when we fi I finished prophesying, the atmosphere was thick with the Father's love. And she was weeping, I was weeping. We hugged and we wept together for a long time. And trust me, I'm not so nice to do that with a stranger. And so I held her as tight as I could until the last wave of the Father's love came out to me because I knew that was part of the prophecy. You see, the Father's heart and thoughts were being revealed to her and transferred to her. So that was, I was still prophesying. And so finally... Uh, the last wave came out, so I just knew it was finished. I let her go. And um, that was it. I didn't know her name or anything. Three years later, I was ministering in, a, in another church in another city. And then she was the worship leader. So at the end of it, she came to talk to me. And she said, I don't know if you remember me, but three years ago, we met in such a, such a place. And... And I did actually remember her because of the suit. <laughs> and so she said, well, I need to tell you what happened that day. She said, that encounter, that time is the first time I ever met you. But that saved my life completely. She said, I was going for about four years. I had been going through a horrible oppression. It started with a depression and anxiety and it evolved and evolved and it kept increasing and increasing and it was horrible, tormenting. I had been to doctors and I had taken medicine, nothing worked. I had been to counselors, professional and therapy, nothing worked. I had been through in a healing prayer, you named the prayer, till people didn't want to pray for me anymore, nothing changed. There was no hope for me. It had come to the point that I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. I was down to 
you know, skin and bones. And I is then my my bedding had there were holes on my beds, on my bed from uh, tossing and turning at night and without sleeping. My blankets and everything had holes. And she said the torment was overwhelming. So it was so much that God's presence was far from me. And I believe I couldn't hear his voice anymore. And I believed he had abandoned me. And I called on him and he wouldn't answer. He wouldn't take this away from me and release me. So it was over. And she said, so it came to the point when I knew there was no other way. Medicine couldn't help me, counseling couldn't help me, prayer didn't help me, and God didn't care. He abandoned me. My only way out of my, of my situation was death. So I planned suicide. And it was going to happen that day. Everything was set up for that day. And she said, I had planned everything, and it was ready. When my husband and children went to church, I was going to kill myself. I had written the letters. Everything was set up perfect. It was planned. And she said, that morning when I woke up, said through all the fog in the distance somewhere, I heard the old familiar voice of God in the distance who said to me, I know your plans for today. And he said, I want to ask you a favor. And she said he was very clever. He didn't say, don't do it. He said, if, she had, if he had said that, I would have, gotten angry, I would have said, yes, you don't care. You don't care to help me, and you want me to keep living like this. So God was very good in how he addressed her. He didn't say that. He just said, I want to ask you a favor before you do what you're planning to do. Just one favor, that's all. I'm asking of you today. Would you get up, get dressed, drive to that city, go to this church, give her the name of the church, attend the service today, and stay till the very end, until they close the doors. Stay till the end. Would you do that for me today? She said that meant altering her plans to kill herself late after the meeting, but she changed the plan. She figured out, okay, she will do it on the way back, and her family will get the news after, but it was happening that day no matter what. So she said, well, she figured since it was one last favor for all time's sake, why not? She would do that for him. He had been good to her in the past. So she came. And she said, I was there, wanted to run away constantly, but he said, wait till they close the doors. So I stayed till the end. And she said, then you called me the last person at the end. And she said, and when I stood in front of you, she said, you began to prophesy. You said, the most amazing thing happened. She said, for the first time in all those years, I felt his love and I felt his presence. He said, and you began to prophesy. He said, but the things that you were saying things that nobody knew. She walked through my whole life, and she said, you told me my past, the things I used to do, the things I enjoyed, dreams I had in my childhood, and you brought it all back to life. And she said, then you talked about my present, and you answered every single question that was driving me to die. Everyone, you brought understanding. You answered all my questions, one after the other, the whole list. 
And she said, and so he said, but not only that, she said it was, and I remember she kept looking into my eyes and she said, I kept looking into your eyes and I was looking at love, not at a person's eyes. Love was flowing out of your eyes. And that love was penetrating inside of me, causing those words to come alive inside of me, to impact me in here. And she said, and then when I was weeping, those eyes wept with me. And I knew there was no judgment. And I knew there was no condemnation. And I knew I was loved and accepted. And then she said, and then you began to speak about the future. And you spoke of every prophecy I had ever received in my life. You told me every dream and every promise I had made to the Lord. Everything that God has said. It says you were reading my, my book from cover to cover. And she said, but the empowerment came from the love that was flowing through. And she said, waves were hitting me and going in and grabbing me inside. And she said, then I went to the car after that, and the presence of Jesus was there waiting for me. And as soon as I got in, he said to me, what happened in there? And she said, I told him everything, and I wept, and I wept with him in there. And then he, uh, he said to me, what are you going to do now? What's your plan? Is it the same still? And I said to him, no, I have to live now. How can I die now? How can I do I have to live. I have to, I have to live. I have a hope. I have a future. I am back with the Father said that love that was coming at that moment took me back to him. I came home. And she said, I'm home. I've, I have been found. I have been found by that love. Not just by the words of the prophecy, but by the love. But the way she described the depth and the detail of the prophecy, I guess, was so detailed that a gift doesn't give you that. Only the spirit of prophecy who knows her who created her nose, that who has heard her cries, can answer those questions that no one knew. And she said, and here I am three years later, she said, and everything in that prophecy has come to pass already. I'm living it. She said, that saved my life. And I stood there, and she was weeping, and I was weeping, but I was weeping for a different reason. The fear of the Lord just filled me the awe of God, the reverence of God, the holiness of God came into me. And I began to tremble inside, thinking, you know how easily I could have spoiled that. This is not just telling somebody, you know, you're going to go to the mission field in China, or, you know, you will sing songs in the future. This was life and death. And I thought, how easily I could have spoiled that by the wrong attitude, wrong motivation. If the, motiva the motivation that, you know, would have been different, not the love that activates, not the love that moves you to compassion. What would have happened? What would, you see, I could have spoiled that. And then I thought, how can it be that a great God of the universe will trust life and death, like that, to someone like me.
to us. But see, prophetic does that. But that comes out of the spirit of prophecy and character and the willingness to pay the price to get there. Pursuing that. Pursuing Jesus above all things to make him known, to make the prophet known. And the heart of the Father known will get you into that place. I was minister in Germany about 30 years ago almost again. Somewhere in Germany. And there were so many people hungry. And they had been so skeptical of the prophetic because they had been so misused and abused in their land. And they, at the beginning, were standoffish and, oh. And so people came to the conference, but they were sitting like, I was just there in that church. And we were recalling that. I was there a month ago. And but we were recalling that back when. And uh, so it was, and it was done in there. And people, and then I said to the Lord, you know, there are times there's nothing I can do here. The gift cannot do anything in this place. People have seen the gift before. The gift is not going to change anything. Only the prophet can do it. This is only the spirit of prophecy can change anything in this land and in this meeting. And so there were 200 people there and all like that. Like, you seriously, it was like... And so, you know, I began to... I just said to Jesus, there we go, and, you know, it's up to you. I'm here to help you, but it's up to you. I hope you have a plan and you know what you're doing. And I went to, I started to speak, and even the people who organized the conference and all of a sudden... The Lord, Father's love began to get released into the atmosphere like a mist. I could see the mist. And it was moving. And you see what's moving through the room? People's countenance began to change as the Father's love was moving through the room. See, we cannot release the Father's love. Only the Holy Spirit does. Romans 5.5 5 says that. And Jesus is the love, is, is God's love. Like it's Jesus is the love of God. On earth, for for John four sixteen says his love, and so you see, you and your gift cannot do that. It's them. It's the, all this is by the power of the Holy Spirit, but there's a spirit of prophecy that releases that for people manifest himself. Then I prophesied over the, fir- over the first lady, and everybody was on the edge of the seats like that, waiting to see what was going to happen. And so I ignored the people and I just focused on the lady. And as I was prophesying, the same thing happened. The spirit of prophecy and the love of the Father began to go through. And um, the translator actually started choking as she was translating over the lady, uh, the prophecy. And the lady began to cry, and then she hugged me, and she was laughing and everything. And I looked back, and everybody was sitting at the back now like this, relaxed. So we prophesied, Jesus and I prophesied over a few more people. And the next day, it was so much, so many people that we had to change it to just English, no translation. We just said, you record them and get them translated later by someone else because we don't have time. There's no time. And so I was prophesying, and I had this long line. And I was prophesying, and there was this man, and he was like a businessman, big suit, really tall, very German. And so he was, didn't know a word of English. And I was prophesying in English. And he was looking at me. We're look, having eye contact as I was prophesying. I could feel the waves of the Father's love just the, going in and out of me as I was prophesying. And 
Suddenly he started crying and tears were coming down his face. And he stopped me for a moment and called the translator and said to her, what's happening to me? I don't know, I don't understand a word she's saying. But there is something coming out of her and coming into me that is grabbing my heart, is squeezing my heart, and it is feeling me inside. It feels amazing. I don't know what it is, but something hiding me is disappearing. But I don't know what she's saying. The spirit of prophecy. You see, another lady had the same experience. She said, she said her eyes, something is coming out of her eyes, going right into me. And it's releasing me inside. I can feel freedom and change. It's happening. You see, when the emphasis is not just the words of the prophecy, it's the love of the Father. It's the encounter with them. I was ministering in Northern Ontario once, and a pastor contacted me and said, you know, a friend of mine who is a pastor somewhere else is going to come, and uh, he, he needs an encounter with God. So I told him I had to go there, and that's all she said. I didn't know who the man was. So lots of people, and at the end I was prophesying, and so the last day of the meetings, last person again was that man apparently. And he said, so I prophesied over him. Same thing happened. The Father's love was flowing. Whatever the prophecy was, I don't remember, of course. And we hugged at the end. He left two weeks later. Our mutual friend sent me a copy of his email to her and said, well, I want to tell you what happened that day. I went to the conference, attended the whole conference, and in the last day, she prophesied over me. And he said, but when I, as soon as she began to prophesy, she said, suddenly the atmosphere shifted, and I began to experience a love coming out of her that I had forgotten. So I was completely burnt out ministry. I was burnt out as a Christian. I was about to quit the ministry and walk away from God. I had nothing. I was completely lost and I couldn't keep on going when I came to that conference. And he said, I have forgotten actually what it was to have relationship with God. And he said, but when she began to prophesy this love that I have forgotten existed began to come out and he said, as she was speaking, and, and there was no word, no mention of the prophecy. That's the part that I like the most. She never, he, of the gift, he didn't say, she, what a great gift she has. I love the gift. It was nothing about the gift. She said, he said, as she was prophesying, all of a sudden, there was just, it was like a force that came, a love that grabbed me like a magnet and began to pull me in and in and in into the Father's heart. And she said, he said, when she finished prophesying, I was back into the Father's heart. I was restored completely. Said the burnout disappeared. My relationship got restored. 
And I was a son again. I was fully restored into sonship with my father. And I stood there thinking, how supernatural can this be? You see? And I'm sure the prophecy helped him later, but it was more than a prophecy. And that's the point I want to make. The spirit of prophecy brings transformation, brings release, and takes you into high places. You see, so, it is beyond all of that because Jesus is beyond that. So, the spirit of prophecy, how do we do it? Because the word of God is, the love of God is wearable. You want the spirit of prophecy where the Father's love. That's the first step so that it becomes your motivation. The reason is motivation for one person to be touched, for 10 people to be touched, for hundreds of people to be touched. It doesn't matter. Whatever, wherever, what it is. First Corinthians 13 tells us. And you see, because love is wearable, it looks like something. And that's the thing. And there's qualities that can only be attained if you have the Father's love. Only Jesus has them. You see, because he is love, First Corinthians 13, we know it's him. It's about Jesus. It's about God. He is love. So this is the things. If you have the Father's love, this is the things that people will see in you that come out of you. Love is patient. Love is kind. Are you wearing patience? Are you wearing kindness? What do you wear? You see, when, what do people see in you? And these things are because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's not jealous, not boastful, not proud. It's not rude. What are you wearing? You see, it doesn't demand some way. It is not irritable. It doesn't keep record of being wronged. It does not rejoice in justice. It never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's what love looks like. You see, the Father's love has that. The love that motivates, the love that activates is that. What are you wearing? Those are the qualities of the character of Jesus because he is love. So this is what we need. The more of this in your life, the spirit of prophecy will inhabit you, flow through you, and you will move in that realm of the prophetic. So getting sounds nice, but getting there is a bit challenging. And that is where John the Baptist, in John 3.30, John the Baptist said, it is necessary for me to decrease and him to increase. Less of me and more of you. We all need that as Christians. But in the prophetic, we definitely do need that. Less of me, more of you. Less of me, more of you. The more of you, you make more mistakes. The less of you, he is accurate. You see? So, less of me and more of you. In the prophetic, it's essential that we do this. You know, less of me and more of you constantly, every day. 
Ivan and I was we were ministering in New York once, and uh, we, it was our second time in that church. We had been there three years before, and so the pastor at the end of the conference we had ministered over about 350 people at the conference the two of us between the two of us and the pastor sent on the way home he was talking to Ivan in the front seat and I was sitting at the back and he said to Ivan wow guys he listened to every prophecy bless him and he said wow guys that was amazing the level of the prophetic has increased so much the impartation flowing from you it was all good before but the last three years it has changed and the anointing flowing and the love flowing and the accuracy flowing and this was sounding really good i thought at the back wow that sounds really good what he's saying and he kept saying he said okay tell me what has caused the gift to grow like that what has made the difference you see, the thousands of people you have prophesied over, the more you do it, the better you get at it, or this or that. And she was going through all this. He was going through all these reasons. I was sitting at the back and listening to them, and I was going to pick the one that made me look the best. <laughs> you know, honestly, I was going to pick the one that would say, you know, yeah, that one. And as I was going to say it, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, don't say that. And I thought, why not? It looks pretty, sounds pretty good. I mean, it makes me look really special and spiritual and anointed. And he said, no, I'll give you the reason. He said, what he is saying is true. There is a change. There is, yes. He said, but this is the reason. He said, in the last three years, finally, you have decreased a tiny little bit and Jesus has increased a tiny little bit he said that tiny bit of more of jesus that is in you and less of you is what, what makes the difference they're talking he's talking about and i sat there disappointed because my balloon had been deflated and i know and suddenly i realized wow more is less john the baptist was right I don't need the gift. I, it's not about the gift. It's more of Jesus. That changed everything in the ministry and the, and the atmosphere, more of Jesus. So the more we decrease, the greater it becomes because more of Jesus can come into our lives. And that's our focus. I want to encourage you. You want to grow in the prophetic decrease. Less of you, more of him. So a practical way of getting there, less of me and more of him. And I want to give you the practical because it's important for me that you walk it. And it's very easy. Get a really big piece of paper. Don't do it in the phone or the iPad. Actually, if you handwrite it, and this is my tip, but I know for a fact, I know about the brain. If you handwrite it, it activates parts of the brain that actually gives, makes it effective. When you type, it doesn't have the same effect. But when you handwrite, you actually, it, it actually, it, you remember it differently, but the impact, it causes changes in you. It, it activates other parts of the brain. It's really important. So get a big, big piece of paper and make two columns. And in one column, write Jesus. In the other column, write your name. And then start a comparison chart between you and Jesus. It's very easy. Start a comparison chart. See, we think that we are so much like Jesus until we find out we're not. 
And so this will show you shockingly how unlike Jesus we are. When you start a comparison chart, and now start comparing Jesus and you. According, even according to scripture, start with start not only how not not just how you know him to be. Start with scripture. What does scripture say about Jesus? Remember, he's the spirit of prophecy. He's the prophet that we want. His ministry. We want the spirit of prophecy. That means Jesus prophesying, ministering through us. So, Isaiah 42, for instance. Behold my servant who pleases me. So you put on there on his list, Jesus always pleases the Father. How, what do you write on your side of the column? <laughs> same line under the same same line, but on your side of the column. Do you do that? Are you known for that? So it says, For my spirit is upon him, for he is gentle. And he is kind. So you write under his list, under his name, Jesus is gentle. Jesus is kind. What do you write on your side? Are you known for that? Are you gentle? Are you kind? Are you known for that? It's not what you think you are. What do people say about you? That you are. And then it says, for he does not shout and does not raise his voice in public. How about you? What do you write there? In your side of the column. In other words, he doesn't lose his temper, he doesn't flare off, he doesn't lose it. How about you? What do you write in there? For Bruce Reed, he doesn't throw away in a smoking flax, he doesn't put out. In other words, he doesn't give up on people that miss, he doesn't criticize them either. He doesn't put anybody down, and he never gives up. How about you? Do you get fed up with people and just say it's enough? You start criticizing them and complaining? That means he never complains. Bruce Reed, he doesn't pull out. He doesn't throw away. That means he doesn't complain about us, about anybody, no matter the condition. How about you? What do you do? What would you write there? He never gives up. Do you give up? You know, Scripture tells us his love. How about you? See, you can tell how much of Jesus a person has by the love that you encounter when you are in their presence. The more of Jesus, love is present. He is love. So it manifests in your atmosphere. It's around you. The less of Jesus, not so much love. Gift, but not so much love. Flows out of you because we are not love. But as it increases, love is evident, and people encounter it. You see? So, he is humble. So we write that, Jesus is humble, how about you? He is an encourager, how about you? Are you an encourager? You see, or you encourage sometimes, but being an encourager is not the same as encouraging sometimes. Being an encourager means he always focuses on the good things in people. He always sees what is good, and he pulls that out of people. That's what being an encourager is. That's what he is. How about you? 
Are you the kind of person that people see you coming and say, oh, we love it when he is around us. There he comes. I want to have coffee with that, him. We love it when he comes around because he always feels, makes, makes us feel so good. We just feel amazing. He just changes everything and changes the atmosphere. And we just feel like a million bucks when he is around us. Or are you one of those people that people see you coming and they pretend they didn't see you and turn the other way? Because, oh, there she comes, and she's such a drag, and she's always complaining, and she's negative, and she's this. I used to be that kind, so I know. You know, are you, what are you? What do people say about you behind their back? But that kind of thing. So, you know, if you're negative and complain about people, always, you know, saying you're not an encourager. You can have a prophetic gift, but you're not an encourager. You're not going to grow in it. Depth is never going to come, and for sure, the spirit of prophecy will not come near you. So, it's easy. And you can go on, the list goes on and on from Genesis to Revelation. So, all we need to do is change it. See, it starts first with a choice to be like Jesus. To say I want to be like Jesus is not a spiritual thing or make me like Jesus. No, it's changing your behavior to imitate him. Being imitators of Jesus, like Paul said, I am an imitator of him. That's what we need to do. We lack this. We want to be imitators of Justin Bieber and Elvis Presley. But imitators of Jesus, very few people want to be imitators of Jesus. You see... When you want to be an imitator of something, you actually, people change their, put the, grow the sideburns to look like Elvis. And they grow the hair the way that Bieber does. And you walk the same way and you learn their mannerisms and all of that because you want to reflect your, your idol, so to speak, your celebrity. We have a great celebrity to imitate. We need a fan club. You see? So, it is learning to be like Jesus. What is it like? Choosing to imitate him. With that list, you can start changing one at a time. To be like him starts with a choice of character, and the Holy Spirit then will empower you for transformation. But it starts with that choice of, I am, for instance, you want to be an encourager. Jesus is an encourager. Well, I want to be an encourager. Then stop criticizing. Stop it. You see, it's easy. You want to be prophetic? You don't have a choice if you want to be. So, easy. If you are not an encourager... The first thing you see in people is what is wrong with them that comes out of your mouth. And you think it and you say it and you are critical. So stop it because Jesus is not like that. Choose to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. That means I, want, I choose to imitate him. So very simple. Teach yourself to be nice. It's a choice of character. So. You look at this and you say, okay, Jesus is an encourager, so you go to Starbucks for coffee. If you are not an encourager, then the first thing you see is everything that's wrong with the girl making your coffee. And you can tell everything that's wrong. Her hair is messy. 
she has a coffee stain on, the, on her blouse and her shoes don't match or whatever, you know, they are looking and the first thing you see is everything wrong. But you want to be like Jesus. So stop it and find something nice, something good. Maybe her hair is messy, but the color is pretty. She has a nice color. Or she has nice teeth. I don't know, find something and focus on that. You know, and when you leave, comment on it. Comment on it, because Jesus would do that. Comment on it. And just tell her, you know, your hair, her color is lovely. Love overlooks all other things and focuses on that. So, your teeth are really white. I don't know. You know, let, leave people with a smile on their faces. Jesus would do that. And practice it until it becomes a habit. You become like it. It's a matter of choice. But in this case, the Holy Spirit will empower you to be like Jesus because he wants you to be like Jesus. Like Paul said. Paul did. So do it. It's a practice. And you learn to see. People criticize me because I always find and comment on good in people. I, I find it. I just... And people have told me, you're codependent. No, I'm not. I, there is something good. I'll find, we'll find it. Jesus would find it. Yes, I know those other things are there, but we focus on this. We can help them with this the proper way. And then you can prophesy the proper way. Because your filter is the love of God. And yes, Jesus. Then the encouraging thing is that the more that you do it, the encourager himself will start encouraging through you. He will inhabit. The spirit of prophecy will come and you go from, you have wear nice, you know, clothing or your hair color is pretty or you make the best coffee ever to heart, to life, to hidden things, to the secrets that only he knows that make a difference in people's lives. Telling them, you know, you make the best coffee ever, or your hair color is pretty, leaves her with a smile on her face. But when you, when the encourager speaks of her heart, it will change her life. You see, so I'll finish with this. Jeremiah fifteen nineteen says, and this is a requirement of the prophetic. And it says in there, I'm, Do you have a Bible, brother, in there? Am I, to verify, I'm giving the right address because I'm, because, but it says, and in there, this is a requirement for the prophetic. I think, I think it's in the second part of the verse, but it says, when you learn to pull the gold out of the worthless, then you will be able to be my prophet. When you learn, another version says, when you learn to extract what is beautiful or what is good out of the rubbish, what is rubbish, out of the wrong, then you will be able to be my spokesperson. You see, when you learn to extract the gold out of the worthless, then you will be able to be my prophet, having a prophetic 
gifts doesn't make you God's mouthpiece. Doesn't make you his prophet. It gives you revelation. You see, it just gives you revelation. And you can use that to speak on behalf of the accuser very easily. But to be God's mouthpiece, you need to learn to do that. To extract the gold out of the worthless. Then you will be able to speak for me. To be my prophet. We don't just want to have a gift. We want to be God's. God's mouthpiece. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that it was your idea that we would be prophetic people. And you chose to give us this amazing opportunity to share your heart with others, to be close to your heart. And Father, we all together just want us to repent corporately before you, Father. We repent, we humble ourselves in repentance for the times when you have made the prophetic about us. When it has been about a gift and we're building a gift. And Father, for any wrong motivation, when we have not been activated or motivated the heavenly way, the kingdom way, but for any other reason, even if it's, I want to be prophetic because prophetic is amazing. Prophetic is an idol to many. I love the prophetic. I love the prophetic. We need to love the prophet, not the gift. So right now, in Jesus' name, we want to repent. But Father, we come before you to reset our mindset and our relationship with the prophetic. And we thank you for the gift, but we'd rather have the spirit of prophecy. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I want to release an impartation in everyone in this room right now. Father, to walk and receive the spirit of prophecy. That spirit of prophecy, the same as spirit of Isaiah 61, to come upon them, the spirit of the sovereign Lord, to give good news to the poor. That's the prophetic. Is it to preach the gospel and to release the prophetic? In the name of Jesus right now, I just release an impartation for hunger for Jesus above all things. And I release an impartation for the Father's love to come into your lives and into your hearts right now to be the trusted people, the ones that earth and heaven can trust for the growth and the depth and the width of the prophetic comes not when you know how to use the gift but when you become trusted when your heart and your character are trusted by God's people when they are safe in your presence 
that no matter what you see in them when people stand in front of you and you walk into a room and you see the troubles, the muck and mud in their hearts and you see the attitudes and hidden sin, but they're safe in your presence because the sinners are always safe in the presence of Jesus. And when he knows that, and God knows that he will entrust you. He will trust you and will entrust you with the secrets of his heart. He will open doors for you that no one can open. He will give you anointing and gift, power, revelation. will open up your eyes to see and will let you go into the deeper places that he hides from others. Because you are safe and your character can be trusted. So I bless you today in the name of Jesus with an impartation and courage to arise because it takes a lot of courage to choose that road. The better portion that will not be taken from you. I bless you for an inhabitation of the spirit of prophecy to arise. And I release right now another portion of that impartation of the prophetic mantle of our Lord Jesus to grow in you and through you. That the prophetic mantle of Jesus right now will descend and leave another deposit within you, will hover over you and cover you. May you be hidden in his presence, carriers of his glory. So you walk his walk with him. And the anointing and the glory of the prophet will be known in the land as you wash his feet and tie the sandals on his feet. In Jesus' mighty name, I release a new impartation for a fresh passion for God's people, not for the prophetic, for his people. It is the love for his people that will make you walk the extra mile for them. Lay down your life and pay the price. I bless you with fresh revelatory anointings for an increase of revelatory anointings. I bless you with an impartation right now, the spirit of wisdom, faith, and discernment. I bless you with an impartation for the spirit of understanding and of the knowledge of God to arise in you. That's more important than the gift. If you have that, it, the gift is easy. That gift in your hand, that sword in your hand will be powerful. So I bless you in Jesus' name. For the gift is already within you. That's why you're here. But now we want more. I release you for the signs, wonders, and miracles that come with the word of God and the authority of the prophet. And I bless you to be as atmosphere shifters wherever you go. The representatives of Jesus on earth. May you be inhabited. And may you be willing and available all the days of your life as prophetic people. And I release an impartation for the prophetic ministry of this church. 
to go into another level, for that mantle to raise you up to another level, and for the transformation of the kingdom to manifest in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a seat for a moment. <clears throat> and I just want to ask if, for a few minutes before we go, if you have any questions for Travina or for me. We can have a few minutes of Q&A. Yes? I just want to know at what age um, were you released into the prophetic ministry after marriage or before? Okay, we both have different answers, so I'll give you mine quickly, and then he will give you his quickly. Um, in my case, I was born with it. I was anointed in my mother's womb, and I was born with it. So my journey has been having a great gift given to me, but lacking the character to carry it, and having to learn the character the hard way because I was very stubborn. For me, I was after I got saved. I'm 64 years old. I got saved when I was 28 or 29 years old. I was not spiritual at all. No visions, no dreams, nothing. When I got saved, pretty early after that, it started happening. All kinds of visions and dreams and experiences with, with spiritual experiences. I had no idea how to handle it. Being in Iceland, in a sense, isolated spiritually. Having, uh, I've only met two people in my life that understood me. Isabel is one of them. And then there was another old lady that I met early on that, that I felt that completely understood me. So it was, in a sense, difficult in a way, feeling alone. Yeah. But being released into the prophetic is another thing than knowing and experiencing that you are called and you are prophetic. It's two different things. Uh, for me, it took about, I would say, close to 20 years before I was released into the prophetic released into it yeah but you may function in it and you may come up against all kinds of opposition and you may stumble a lot on the way i uh, i think i have the world record in doing that but yeah be very careful not to try to go yourself release yourself into the prophetic when it's not time because the lord wants to i i assume she talked about that a lot the lord wants to Built up our character, and sometimes that's really hard because I'm a Mr. Know it all guy. So, you know, it can be really hard. Wait on the Lord. You may function in it, that's fine. But it's really important uh, submit to the leadership in your church for your own sake, if for nothing else. Yes? Oh, that's a very long story. It's really long. But uh, the very short of it is I used to hate Christians. And I, did, I had never heard the gospel in my whole entire life. I had no idea. Jesus visited me at, around midnight and personally led me audibly through a sinner's prayer. Um, the, I, had to, I had two encounters, but that one... Uh, was my second one, that one, I was 18. I just turned 18. 
The next day, 24 hours later, the Holy Spirit visited me again and existed as a bright light like Paul describes. And um, here we are. You want me to answer the same question? Yeah. I, like I said, I was 28. I was a sailor. I hated Christians. I didn't like it at all. And someone started ministering to me, so I started seeking. I called upon him, and he arrived in person in my cabin one night when I was off duty on my ship, came into my room, lay on top of me physically and hugged me and said to me, throw in, I love you just the way you are. That's how I met Jesus. But it's a longer story. This is a short version. Yes, Annie. That answer is a whole book long to answer is a lot. But it is being willing to live by scripture, to follow Jesus, to follow the word of God, and uh, to be faithful to the things that matter. You see, being hum- learning to be humble, like Therwin said, uh, being, uh, working with your leadership, learning to be under authority, and going through every step, being willing to go through the fires and furnaces as they may come, knowing that at the end it will be good, that it is good. It's, you know, it's difficult to give you an, an, just a short answer to such a big question, but it's being willing and say, here I am, I will learn, I will learn, I will learn. Like when you go to school for something, you study, but you, you pay the price. Enduring, making it to the end, not quitting, and um, making the choices to keep on going until you get there. In our case, until we get to heaven. Never give up and be prepared to face opposition, rejection. The prophetic ministry in general usually receives a lot of opposition and a lot of rejection. I haven't met any person yet in my life that is truly prophetic that hasn't come up against opposition and rejection. So do not dwell on that and be very willing and quick to forgive and remember who you are serving. You're not serving your own ego. You're not serving the people. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So be willing to, if you feel rejected or humiliated, be willing to go on. Because one of the most dangerous prophetic people you meet in ministry are people who are carrying rejection, resentment, and hurt in their spirit. And they are ministering out of that rejection and out of that hurt. They hurt other people. They are not bad people. I'm not saying that. But it's really easy to get caught up in that when you face opposition. And be, I mean, be prepared to face opposition from your family, from your closest family members, from your church, from the leadership in your church. I'm not talking about this specific church. I'm talking about the church in general. Because often there is so much misunderstanding and misconception about how the prophetic operates. And there has to be 
in every church there has to be a uh, culture of honor, meaning that we are allowed to make mistakes as long as we do not hurt people and we have a teachable spirit. So have a teachable spirit, be willing to submit to the leadership, and more likely than not, you will have the grace to make mistakes and learn. Because there is no manual in the Bible that says exactly how the prophetic works, basically. We all have to learn by trial and error. But are you willing to make mistakes for Jesus? Am I willing to look like a fool for Jesus and, and risk being wrong? The main thing is, yes, to be willing to be teachable. If you have a teachable heart, <coughs> then a teachable spirit, you will go through the testing and you will pay the price. But if you have a teachable heart, that's very, very important. Yeah, no, and nobody's perfect. <coughs> we all make mistakes. Be it in the prophetic or whatever ministry it is, we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. But God restores us if we are humble, we have a humble spirit and willing to ask for forgiveness and repent. Because that's who he is. He restores us again and again and again. Anything else? Anyone else? Yes? Can you come here? We prophesy in part and see in part, so I'm not sure. We know in part and we prophesy in part. Yeah, yeah. that's. Yeah. Explain that. Yes, <coughs> we'll try. It means <coughs> it, ha it means two things. No matter how prophetic you are, you don't know everything. <coughs> you only know we only know what God wants us to see. He hides the rest. It is pride that makes people say, because you're prophetic, you know everything. That's not true. Elijah is a good case of that. When the woman whose child had died was approaching, and he sent his servant to ask her what it was, and he said, God has hidden the reason from me. So I don't know. Go ask her, because I don't know why. So we don't know everything. We only know what God wants us to know. And also, that we know in part, the prophesying part also means be careful with your, the things that you know when you prophesy. Don't prophesy, use knowledge that you have to prophesy. Because there is no integrity in that if you have knowledge. To be prophetic, we have to be able to separate personal opinions, previous knowledge, and um, any ideas that you have. <clears throat> because if you prophesy out of that, you're not, it's not prophetic. But you have to be completely impartial. When you prophesy empty and impartial, which means you put aside and separate, and at that moment you know nothing, just you receive and you give, not what you know. And if you are not able to separate personal opinions, beliefs, or knowledge, when you prophesy and it will influence you, it is better not to prophesy. Just to say, I'm, I can't right now, because it will be compromised. And if it is compromised, there is no purity in it. 
and also know your limits. For me personally, when I get really tired, I stop prophesying because I know that then I'm more likely to make mistakes. So I stop when I get tired. But also, like Isabel said, be careful if you have formed your own opinions on something, on an issue or on a person or whatever, if you're going to prophesy, and if you prophesy over that person, it can be really, really difficult to be remain partial and uh, not things not being tinted by my own opinions. Like once, very, very short story, I was in, in a church in Iceland. I prophesied over a group of people, and... After that, immediately a guy ambushed me when I was going outside. I was going to the coffee shop. What he ambushed me, and he was so angry for me doing that, prophesying that, because he wasn't there among the group. And I thought he was going to beat me up. And he actually told his friend that he was going to beat me up in the church for prophesying. So you can imagine how I felt and what I thought about him. But the next service, this guy sat in the front, and I was preaching, and the Lord told me, prophesy over him. And gave me a word for him. And I actually asked his permission if I could prophesy over him. And he said yes. And I prophesied over him. It had nothing to do with what I thought or what I or my, my feelings told me. But afterwards he told my friend that everything I said was exactly right and a confirmation of something else. The Lord was also teaching me. It's not about me. It's about his love for that person. Regardless of what he has done I still love him, the Lord said. He still is my son, and I want to bless him, regardless. Can you be my mouthpiece in that situation, regardless of how you have been treated? So it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and his children.
Well, my dear, like with anything, you ask God, and he leads you. You know, you will make mistakes, but it is talking to the Lord. The sermon comes from him. The instruction comes from him. It's a bit of lack of confidence or that, but the thing is, like Travin said, making mistakes, make sure you make a mistake in love with good intention and a good heart. It's not just to look anointed or pride or whatever. But it is, if it is, if you are not sure of the meaning and you think it's something, if, ask yourself, if, I am wrong, will it this, this harm the person? If it is harmful, then don't say anything until you are sure. If it is not harmful, then it's tried out and take the risk and see. Worst thing is they say, no, it isn't, and that's fine. You just learn from it. But if it is helpful to the person, then wonderful. But if it is harmful, if it can cause any kind of damage in any way, then do not a chance with it until you grow in confidence in discernment with the Holy Spirit. And also be very careful about, you know, that dreams sometimes have different meanings than what you think they have. And let the, sometimes the Lord is taking you through a process of learning. I mean, he may give me, be giving you dreams and dreams and dreams, and you're learning. And sometimes he's teaching us to wait. Some of the dreams I've had... I didn't get the interpretation until 20-something years later. And uh, one of the dreams that came to my mind when you were speaking is that, uh, you know, I had once, I had a dream where a young woman, I was single at that time, and a young woman appeared by my bed, and she wanted to come into my bed and lay with me. And uh, I was resisting, resisting, resisting. No, no, this is not appropriate. This is not right. No, 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 you're not doing this. And the thing is, this lady is actually a prophet or a prophetess. And this was early on in my walk with the Lord that I was resisting. I didn't want to be in the prophetic. I didn't want to. I don't know how often I have resigned from the, from the prophetic ministry before the Lord. But what actually this means was that the Lord was saying to me, why are you resisting me in the prophetic because I want to be intimate with you in the prophetic. That's basically what he was saying. But I thought that this woman wanted to get with me. So you see how I was, how I was thinking when I should have been seeking the Lord and asking him, why, uh, why am I dreaming like this? Why are you speaking to me like this, in this way? Because this woman was representing the prophetic ministry and how the Lord wanted to get intimate with me in that ministry. So often, dreams are not always what they seem to be. So it's a learning by trial and error. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yes, dear. Uh, 
I am a very big dreamer, but lately for the last past 10 years, I can't remember dreams. Like I, I dream every night I go to bed and can't remember my dreams at all. My son, he used to dream, but he, he don't remember no dreams. So it's not good to not know what you're dreaming or what's going on in that that world. Is there anything you can give me or share with me on how to break and, you know, be delivered from the blindness of not knowing what you're dreaming? You, you go to bed, you sleep, you dream, you wake up, you can't remember nothing. Most of the times those are REM dreams, REM dreams. That's very typical what you're describing. REM dreams are not prophetic, they're physiological. They are your brain releasing memories that you don't need anymore. Is everybody has them every single night, whether you remember them or the most people don't remember them, but you dream one or many dreams every single night, every person. If you don't do that, you, if you don't dream, uh, you, you may say, well, I don't dream. That's not true. If you don't dream after so many months, you go psychotic and then you die. You see, that is a fact. Because that's the brain will, you know, will, it's like the hard drive in the computer. It collects, collects information, but at some point you have to delete and declutter or the hard, the, the hard drive will, you know, overload. Same thing with the brain. Your brain records absolutely everything you hear, you see, and you, um, perceive experiences, every single thing gets recorded in the brain. So you see everything you glance gets recorded, recorded, and then you can have an emotional overload, and you, that's what's go, going psychotic. So your brain, naturally, by God's creation, every single night when you sleep and you have rapid eye movement, God, those dreams are not prophetic. They are just going the delete button of your brain. Re deleting all those dreams, deleting, deleting memories, images, things that you heard that recorded, all of that, and they get deleted. And those dreams are often not remembered. So it is fine, but you shouldn't worry about that and fighting it. It is normal. The dreams from God then are different. You will know God spoke, your spirit will keep them, God will keep them, and you will remember them. So having lots of dreams doesn't mean we have dreams from God and God is speaking. You know, some people have the ability to re remember REM dreams, but most people don't. And that is normal. There's nothing wrong with that, and there's no, no change in that at all, because you don't want to... See, if you remember them and you entertain them, then they get recorded again in your brain. Then you have to go a second go of delete it. The same thing, what for? We don't want that, you want them gone. So flush them out and you're fine. To dovetail on that, I wanted to ask you if this is your experience that when you do have a dream that comes from the Lord, many times you'll find yourself awakened out of it with the idea or the understanding or or a message ringing within you that was received in the dream. I just wanted to know if you have that experience. Very often. Not always, but very often, yes. You described it perfectly. The same, I can say the same thing, but I want to give you guys a word of warning regarding dreams. 
uh, all these dream interpretation books, be very careful. Be very careful. Because, of course, there are some things in the Bible, like colors and numbers and stuff, that uh, have a significant meaning in general. But be very, very careful about these books, because if they were right, we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. Right? It's common sense. If God has published a book telling us what he is meaning, every time he gives us a dream, why did he send us the helper and the teacher? That's common logic, isn't it? So be careful. Do not rely on these books. Do not do that. I'm not saying that all of them are crap. Sorry, you shouldn't say crap in, in church. That's why I'm not going to say crap again in church. <clears throat> I'm not saying they are all like that, but I'm just saying be careful. Do not rely on them. The problem is that people make formulas. And then if you make a formula, then you keep applying every put God into a formula. And you cannot do that. So when it comes to dreams, a dream from God is not interpreted through symbolism. It's interpreted through revelation. Joseph said, it is not man's business to interpret dreams. It's God's business. A dream from God is an invitation to prayer. Show me, reveal to me what it is. <clears throat> Joseph and Daniel had dreams from God. They did not go to symbolism to interpret it. They asked for revelation. Through revelation, the symbolism was explained. It had meaning. You see, but um, dreams that are interpreted through symbolism <clears throat> are very common. And uh, it is, those are the kind of dreams that come from the heart or dreams from the soul that can be emotions, other emotional dreams and circumstantial dreams. When there's something, a worry, a concern, a situation of life comes up in your dreams. Because everything you think about in the day, if you think about something a lot, it goes into your subconscious, comes out in a dream. So we have to be careful with that. A lot of people make mistakes because, you know, they really want to buy, you know, a red sports car. They're thinking of it. They look at it in the Internet. They check it. They are thinking. They're praying for it. It is natural. You will dream about driving the car. It will come in your subconscious. That's how our subconscious works. So it will come in your subconscious. And then you say, I had a dream. It's confirmation. God gave me the car. No, it was your subconscious. So we have to be careful because emotional dreams are valid. That's speaking about something that is in your heart and your mind that you may need to deal with. But they are not prophetic. So it doesn't mean that. You have a crush on Susie Jean, and then you're thinking of Susie Jean and praying. You will dream about marrying her. That's not, not to be taken, God said. You know, you need a lot more confirmation than that. It could be your emotions talking. Maybe God talking, but maybe 90% of the time is your emotions talking. So we have to be careful with that yeah. kind of thing. Many times you watch something on TV, will come out in a dream. Because it is fresh in your mind, goes to your subconscious, comes out in a dream. You see, so we have to be careful with that as to discern. what If there is an emotional tag or a circumstantial connection to it, then it probably is a dream from your heart. 
And from your soul, nothing wrong with it, just it's not a prophetic dream. And, and that is fine. A good example of what she's saying, if you watch a lot of horror movies and you start having nightmares. That's a perfect example of, you know, dreams that are not from God Bec and, and, and uh, because of what you're looking at and what you're doing. But the difference, yes, yeah, sorry, the difference between how she explained what I was explaining when I was using the language, that's the difference between, well, I just want to apologize if I offended anyone. Yes, yeah. With the, with the you know, the book, the when I was referring the to the dream books, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. I just want to let people know in your dreams the enemy can send things he'll come to you as people that you loved or lived once and he'll hand you something and I have come to find out when he hands me things with people's faces that I know I'm touching unclean things and I have to repent as soon as I wake up he's bought jewels from my grandfather he's bought beautiful things and handed them to me and I touch them so be careful about that in your dreams good point Yep, yes. Good point. Thank you. Um, you said a client. Are you? Are you a therapist? Yeah. Oh, here. Okay. Yes. And you had the dream two years before. Yeah, that would have been a prophetic dream. You just, a dream like that, you pray. You don't tell her the dream your husband is going to die. <laughs> That's for intercession. Yeah, that. To pray, intercession. Yeah, because in a dream like that, it falls into it is harmful if you're wrong, you, and you put fear in her because two years ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's just to pray and intercede, which is a big part of the prophetic. Many times, not everything we get, we tell. We have to sometimes God speaks to us something which is prophetically reveals to us for us to pray with Him. He's sharing His burden, so we intercede. And nobody will ever know that you knew. Sometimes these dreams can be twofold, have twofold meaning. What Isabel is saying, and also the Lord is preparing you to minister to her after her husband dies, revealing to you that he is going to give you the anointing that is needed for that person at that time. It may yeah. also mean that, to give you more confidence to go and minister to her in her times of need. Yeah. Maybe that as well. Yeah. 
Same thing. Same thing applies to them because in visions also, the subconscious gets activated. If you are a visual thinker, it is very common. If you are a visual thinker, you think with pictures, with pictures and you visualize it, then when you quiet down, you know, to go to sleep or you quiet down to soak or to pray, normally the first portion of things you will see are subconscious, not prophetic, because you think with pictures. So, you know, you will, things that you have thought will come, will just process first. So what I always teach people is, the f until you have enough, you know, maturity in this, the first portion, just dismiss it, and then you will quiet down. What many people do, when you try to quiet down to hear the voice of God or to receive or whatever, the first thing is your thoughts begin to run through your mind, and you're fighting the thoughts to quiet your mind. Thoughts, if you are a thought processing person, if you are a visual thinker, then pictures will start flowing. It's the same thing. They're subconscious. They're just subconscious saying, you know, you were thinking of this and this and that and reminding you of thoughts are being processed. The worst thing you can do is fight it. You have to stop it. And lots of people are trying to quiet their mind, let it pass. Your subconscious will only go for so long and then it stops, tells you the bulk of it. You know, and it passes and then is when you quiet down to receive. Wait until all the thoughts pass. All the first batch of pictures pass, and then you will hear the, you will see or hear the voice of God. And often, you know, prophetic people they often think visually. They often think in pictures, and sometimes it can take us quite some time to learn that we are actually having visions. I'm talking from experience. It took me when I realized that I was having a vision and visions. I realized that I had been having them longer than I thought, but I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. But then again, it's really easy just to visualize something and think it's a vision from God. But it comes with trial and error. We all learn. Yes, um, yes. one more, and then we'll finish. delay and even when you've asked God for what does this mean or is this you or show me have you had a delay in time of answer or knowing what something meant often you just wait and keep asking and just relax and wait yes very often and in the beginning for me when I was learning I'm still learning it was very frustrating my uh, why do you speak in riddles, God? Why do you show me visions that I don't understand? And I believe the reason, the, 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 the biggest reason for that is that the Lord craves a deeper relationship with me. And he wants me to come and look for the answer by drawing closer to him. And he even gave me, let me finish with this, he even gave me a vision once where I saw him sitting on stage in a church, and I was running around as a little boy, and he was holding a painting. And he said, Thrawen, come, I want to show you something. And I ran to him in the vision. I looked at the painting, and I said, yes, God, I see it. And then I ran away. 
And he called my name, Thrawen, Thrawen, come back. I want to explain to you what it means. And I came back, and he sat me on his lap, and he started explaining what the painting meant. Then I understood. When I have a vision that I do not understand, at that time, and it is basically a riddle for me, for my mind, it's because he wants me to draw closer to him, because he wants to have one-on-one time with me, because that is his desire. And believe you me, I'm nothing special in his eyes. I'm not more... This is not the way to say it. I'm sorry. I am special in his eyes, but I'm not more special than anyone else. This applies to everyone. So he wants us to draw closer to him. I hope this answers your question. Well, amen. Give them a hand. Isn't that wonderful? And thank you for that Q&A. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, I want I want you to stand with me, but I'm going to ask if, if Isabel and Thelma would please come back up here just for a moment. And I want my, if you're on the River of Life prophetic team, I want you to come on up. And you all can stand. Y'all, everybody's going to participate in this, but my team is going to pray for them. Thank you, Lord. So if you're currently on the River of Life prophetic team, and Pastor Lorraine, you come too. Thank you, Jesus. We just want to pray and we want to send them off. Weren't they wonderful this weekend? The, the word of God that came through them was so powerful. Yeah, do I have, do I have everybody? Where's Pastor Pius? Okay, okay. Um, they were wonderful this weekend, and we want to send them off with a word. So we want to lay hands on them and pray. And so I'm going to ask my team, if you have a specific word, I've told you to seek the Lord on that. And if you do... You're going to come up right up here and take this microphone and give it to them. But we want to send them away and bless them. And I just want the congregation, those of you, just to stretch your hands toward them, if you would. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, Lord. The Alpha, the Omega, and the beginning and the end. Thank you, Father. The one who directs our steps. The one who guides us. Even when the road is crooked, you still guide us and you still lead us, Father. And we just say that you're the mighty God. And we just love you and praise you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, God. We just thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for this couple, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for their lives, God, for their testimony. But, God, I thank you, Lord, that you've got their path. You've got their path, God, and and you're just going to blow their minds away. Father, I just thank you, God, even in the coming days, Lord, and in the coming months, God, there's going to be such a supernatural shift. I don't know what that shift is, but it's it's already seems to be supernatural. But, Father, there's even a greater supernatural shift that's coming, Lord. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for that, God. I thank you, Lord, for the miracles, God, the revelatory miracles, God, that are going to happen, Father. I thank you, God, for those signs and those wonders, Lord, that are going to come through their hands, Lord, and out of their mouth. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I can see this picture of Jesus, and he's wrapping his arms 
around the one there that had leprosy and just wrapping his arms around him, not seeing what he saw, but seeing the greatness of his father within him. Father, I thank you, God, for that greatness that they see. Father, they see with your eyes, Lord, and I thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, I bless them in Jesus' name. Just honor them, Lord God, for the committed servants, Lord, that you've made them to be. Just say thank you, Lord God. Just ask you to bless their going and their coming. And the word I heard when I stood up here was completion. I don't know exactly what that means, I don't know if there's something that you are working on to be that has to be completed or the Lord has a meaning that he'll reveal to you at a later date. But completion is coming to you. Amen. I believe the Lord is telling me that you've walked faithfully in the revelation that he's already shown you and that he is removing more veils for you to have even more revelation. You sought the Lord, and he's revealed his glory. And as you look to him, he's going to reveal more and more of his glory and his revelation to you because of your faithfulness and what he's already given you. Yes, I saw um, you mounting up with eagle's wings, ascending in great joy, into higher places in the realms of God, higher places in the spirit. And I see the Lord lifting you, lifting you up. And as you ascend, your joy is just made full and just breaks forth. There's just great ecstasy. And I see that the Lord is just endowing you with that fullness, fullness of joy, lifting you up. I'm hearing the words, much more. Much more is coming for you. And it's going to be good. So rejoice. Rejoice in him. I also heard the words, um, much more fruitfulness. I saw like this branch that is home. And it's got so much fruit. Almost like it's, um, you know... Uh, like bending over because the fruit is so much and I feel like there's a lot more that the Lord has and I feel like there's just a depth of the love of God that is just going you'll be carrying it with such uh, deeper realms and levels that it will be like a, a smell almost when you're in the meetings till people begin to smell I just feel the presence of the Lord, and I just feel like the Lord is saying a, a fresh wind, like a fresh fire. Ah!
I saw a beautiful garden, and in the garden were sunflowers, and it was all these big sunflowers, and you all were so happy and full of joy, and you were like jumping and leaping up in the air because you, I don't know, you were just so happy and joyful, and it was sunflowers all around you. That's what I saw. I know you've been many places, and you are going many places. But I just hear the Lord said that there are new places that you have not been, parts of the world that have not heard your name, but they're going to meet you personally. And it's going to change that area, that corner of the world, in a way that has never been changed before. You're going to be translated there. Not just you, but both of you. You're going to be so busy but you're going to have so much rest in your busyness because it brings you so much joy to minister to his children. The love that you both have just overflows and oozes, like I told you, oozes out of you. And that love is going to give you joy and strength that you're just going to say, God, give me more. Give me more people. Give me more people. Give me more people. And he's going to take you to places that you haven't even dreamed of. Probably places that you've never even heard of. Villages all around the world that are that need to hear what you have to say and need to hear the revelation that God has given you to give to them to change the world and bringing the kingdom of heaven down even more so okay my word is really different <laughs> I'm hearing regulatory issues that may arise or maybe have arisen already and God has them resolved for you. So be at peace. Don't worry. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, Arthur, I saw you like a father sitting down, and I see all these kids coming to you and sitting down and, and, and handing you a broken toy. <laughs> okay? And you're going to be so surprised because these kids, some of them are older than you, you know, but they're wanting to come and sit on your lap so that you can explain why is this broken. And you're going to be able to look up to the Father, and you're going to be able to hand them back a completed toy, something that has made them wonder and did not understand God and what God was doing. But you're going to be able to explain to them exactly what and bring it back to them completed. So when they go, they, they have a smile and a completeness, a smile on their face and a completeness in their heart. And you, I see God's like wants to reveal even more love, and you're saying, God, I'm going to burn up. <laughs> if you show me any love, he goes, he's, I'm going to increase your capacity. It's like I see a huge pull that is just being even enlarged even more because he needs to give you more because you're going to have more people to love and pour out his love. So it's, so it's an endless thing that as, as long as you allow him to, he is going to fill you and fill you. And you're like, how can I receive any more? But the reason he wants you to receive more is because he's got so many more people to pour out his love on. Do you have something? Uh, a little weird. <laughs> That's why I am. Uh, he, he gave me a picture of a farmer with, with some cattle. And, uh, and they come in there and, you know, and he hooks mach uh, milk machines to them and, and milks them. And then afterwards, he lets them out in a nice pl uh, field where, where they eat again and rest for the next time. He says, kind of like with you, when you go see people, they drain you so much, like a milk machine drains the cows. But he'll always provide you with a place to go to re replenish yourself 
and get uh, filled up again and relax and so you'll be ready for the next time. You don't have to worry about that. You'll always be there just like the cows. They do it routinely, you know, over and over and over. Don't think about it. And then that's what's going to be with you. Sometimes you feel drained, but you will be filled up again. Wow. And I just have one more thing. that there's a, there's a train ride coming. I don't know what that means, but there's a, a train ride. If it's a train trip or a train ride, I don't know. But there's something to do with a train. Yeah. Give them a hand. Aren't they wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming to Prophetic Class. Our next class will be next month, uh, third Sunday of the month. And so I'm going to ask Norman if you'll just come up here and close us in prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you and worship you. Oh, Lord, how good you are. May we open our hearts to you, to the fullness of our understanding and beyond, that you may come forth in and through us and bring us into your glory and honor and presence and serve us to others in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you all. Safe travel home. <laughs>